0: Jewish Money Matters, episode 236, Daniel Geffen, podcasting entrepreneur, host of Can I Peek Your Brain, and founder of Pod Booker and Geffen Media Group. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth. To gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry. To design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yaël Trash and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yaël Trash, your host. Welcome to the show. In today's interview, you'll hear both laughter and cry. And I'm so grateful to my guest for that, for his honesty I have an unusual kind of entrepreneur, a serial one, he says, most recently putting his entrepreneurial skills into the podcasting space. I have Daniel Geffen on the show. Daniel is the founder of Geffen Media Group, a podcast production and booking agency, helping clients build a loyal following through the power of podcasting. And you know, I believe in podcasting. We talk about that. He also hosted a top rated podcast, Can I Pick Your Brain, for quite a while. There he interviewed over 200 thought leaders, billionaires and celebrities, was his experience as a host, which led him to create Geffen Media Group and his other companies, which serves podcast host Pod Booker. And now he's expanding his reach further. He's added an even more accessible way to help those who want to be featured in podcasts. The name of the course, Podcasting Pro. Listeners of this show can get 20% off Podcasting Pro by entering the code Jewish at podcastingpro.com. So Daniel has been featured in dozens of media publications, including Forbes, Inc., CIO, Influencive, Success Radio, and over 100 podcasts, and now Jewish Money Matters. Daniel and I talk not just about the lessons he has learned from his guest, but he speaks very honestly about his financial failures, including being so broke that he couldn't pay for his Passover expenses, the unexpected lesson he gained at that point in time, and how it all came full circle not long after. How he deals with the ups and downs of financial life as an entrepreneur, he's definitely not stranger to no stranger to the roller coaster the financial lessons he received growing up including what he learned from his grandfather a holocaust survivor what money believes he's had to let go of and work to improve as well as the habits he practices now that have an impact in his financial life this interview is quite juicy ladies i know you'll gain a lot from it here's daniel geffen Daniel Geffen, how are you? Welcome to Jewish Money Matters.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Two podcast nerds in the same virtual room. This is going to be so fun. (laughs) I don't get to spend time with people who are so obsessed with podcasting as I am, although I have to say you're probably on another league. Not only did you host a, a show for over four years, I think, but you also have two media companies related to podcasting. You're the founder of Pod Booker of Geffen Media Group. You help authors and influencers and leaders get booked on podcasts and you help people like myself find the perfect guests for their show. So you like I do believe in the power of podcasting. This is going to be fun. I want to start with that. Why don't we get started with on a personal level, Daniel, why podcasting? Like what brought you to that business niche? It's sure. not there are not that many of us in the world.
1: <laughs> so how do I get into podcasting? So it's actually quite a funny story. About six years ago, I was playing tennis. I just made Aliyah, just mm-hmm. moved to Israel with my wife, and we had three kids at the time, and now we have five. Baruch Hashem, and I got this phone call from a guy called Nochem Kligman. So I don't know if you know him, Mm-mm. but, um, he had a podcast called The From Entrepreneur, okay. and um, yeah, he's going to thank me for plugging him. Love you, Nachum. Anyway, so he calls me up. I didn't even know him at the time, mm-hmm. and he said, "Hey, Daniel, I heard you have an interesting business story. I'd love to have you on my podcast." And I'm like, Sorry, "What's a what's podcast?" A podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what a podcast was. It sounded like some alien sh- spaceship or something. Mm-hmm. And so he explains to me. He's like, "Well, it's kind of like radio, but better because you know you could pause it and you could you know pick whatever topic you want to listen to. You know, bear in mind." <laughs> Did he
0: used to do it through one of the newspapers or something like that? Was it like a right? Uh- No,
1: I don't think so.
0: Okay. So I'm confusing it with somebody else. Okay.
1: Yeah. It it was very new. I mean, back then, like literally six years ago, most people didn't know what a podcast was. It wasn't like a thing, right? Today, everyone and their grandma has a podcast.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah,
1: Like 3 million podcasts now out there. And there's about 150 million Americans listening to podcasts regularly. Mm. But then that wasn't the case. And I got very excited because I thought, well, wow, like, you know, what an honor. Like I've never, I, that's point in my life I I never spoke on stage unless you count you know jumping on classroom tables and getting detention for that you know that was kind of my my high school experience I I didn't have a following like I didn't have any social I didn't even own a social media account this is really mm-hmm. funny so my wife had a Facebook account and she would post you know pictures of the kids and whenever and I thought like what are you doing you know and now I'm the one with the Facebook and she's off all of social media. Good for her. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get off it. But I didn't have any social media following. I didn't have any speaking experience. I didn't have an email list. I had a successful business that I that I started and I grew totally offline. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. So the next thing I know, I'm sitting in my pajamas in my in our basement with uh a microphone in my face, and I'm just staring at a blank wall. I'm like, okay, here we go. And we started talking and I loved it. I fell in love with the microphone. Mm
2: -hmm. You know,
1: I shared my whole story of, you know, growing up and how I how I got into entrepreneurship. An hour went by really quick. And I thought, wow, that was so much fun. And at the end, Notham said, you know, thanks so much for for being on the show, Daniel. And I said, well, thank you so much for having me on the show. But I do have, you know, one question for you. And he's like, sure, what is it? I said, besides for you and your mother, who else was listening to this? (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, I feel like I'm just talking to you and like a few of your family members, you know? And he goes, well, Daniel, you'll, you'll be surprised to know that there were over a thousand people listening. Mm. And I fell off my chair. I'm like, what? Did you just say a thousand people? He's like, yeah. I'm like, where are all these people? And he's like, they're all over the world. And he starts mm-hmm. listing all these different countries. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Like I'm a nobody. Nobody's ever heard of me. If you typed my name into Google, I didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden I'm sitting in my pajamas and I'm talking to over a thousand people all over the world. Some of the biggest speakers, they, they travel halfway across the planet to get on a stage. And if they have a thousand people in the audience, that's a packed crowd, right? And, and that's when I decided I need to start my own podcast.
0: Ah, so the podcast came first before the media companies.:
1: Yes, a hundred percent and in fact, I had absolutely zero idea of what I was doing. I didn't have a plan on starting a media agency. <laughs> I didn't think about you know writing a book that became an international bestseller, like nothing. I, I just decided, this is going to be fun. I need to start a podcast, and so two weeks later, I started, "Can I pick your brain?" Mm-hmm. And the goal was to pick the brains of the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders in our generation. But there were just two problems with it, y'all. Number one is I didn't know any successful entrepreneurs or famous people to interview, right? <laughs> so I had no guests. I had to like call up some friends. And I'm like, hey, can you be on my podcast? And they're like, what's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I can still <laughs> so relate
0: to this whole conversation, by the way. <laughs> right.
1: And then the second problem was I didn't know how to build an audience. Like how do you get people to listen to to the to the show like even if it's good like how do I get people to listen to this um and that's when I had this sort of light bulb moment that went off in my head and I thought well hold on a second I was speaking to over a thousand people on Nochem's show right and so why don't I just go on other people's podcasts and just leverage their audiences that they've already built Mm -hmm. and I'll just hopefully get them to listen to my show and so I started getting booked on lots of podcasts and you know the best part about it was it didn't cost any money I just reached out to people. I said, hey, can I be on your show? And I obviously, there's a way to get onto podcasts. It's not just like, especially today. Nowadays, it's much harder to get on shows. And that's, we'll get to how I created my agency. But I basically went on around like, somewhere around a hundred podcasts
2: mm, wow, and, nice job. yeah.
1: And then my, my, my own show very quickly became a top 100 ranked show in the world in, on iTunes. And I interviewed four billionaires, the smartest man alive, the leading hostage negotiator for the FBI, the U S memory champion, and a whole host of other incredible guests. And then what happened was I wrote a book, which became a bestseller, and that was just by getting on podcast. So this whole thing happened just by being a guest, essentially.
0: In the meantime, you're running your other business at the same time?
1: So- I was in a very good position because the business that I created, I essentially outsourced and delegated everything, so that I didn't really have to do anything in the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I yeah, I sold that business last year, but I set it up in a way that I didn't have to really. You know, I think I'm just really lazy, so. <laughs> I just don't want to do a lot of the work. Right. So I try to find ways to automate, delegate and right. outsource things I don't want to do.
0: And it gave you the time to do the things that you were loving.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So before we get into the media companies, I need to ask you about this show that you build and you interview these amazing people. Can I pick your brain? Great title, by the way. Wow. Amazing. Um, were there any, you know, you interviewed there, like you said, like, leaders and authors, influencers, like billionaires, business, like really, really people who I guess have achieved success, whatever that means on some level. What were some of the key lessons, Daniel, that you felt you learned from those interviews? And perhaps there were um, recurring themes, things that came up over and over again.
1: Yeah, I think the two things that pop up in my head right now is one was a quote from one of the billionaires I had. His name was Jeff Hoffman. Mm -hmm. Um, He's the founder of Priceline.com, Booking.com, Hotels.com. You know when you swipe your passport in the airport? Mm -hmm. So he invented those machines to do that. Uh, Yeah, he's got a lot of companies. Anyway, really humble guy, Mm -hmm. very, really sweet guy. Um, My favorite line was when I said to him, I said, Jeff, you know, there's, there's only 2,000 billionaires in the entire world, right? Of all the 7 point whatever billion people, there's only 2,000 billionaires. There's there's not many. Mm
2: -hmm. So like
1: what separates you from everyone else? Like how do you become a billionaire? Mm -hmm. And he said, Daniel, I have a sign up in my office that says the following. It's a big sign. And it says, ideas are welcome here, Mm -hmm. but execution is worshiped. It's all about the execution. So that really stuck with me. Um, And in fact, when I wrote my book, The Self Help Addict, it was all about self help addiction, about how people are addicted to consuming and consuming and sitting on YouTube for hours trying to learn something or listening to podcasts, you know, or reading gazillion books and Mm -hmm. marker pen, you know, taking out the marker pen and basically marker penning the whole book, which I don't understand the point of that because then. What's you know, right, the whole point of marker penning is so that you can see what you've you know, something that pops out. But I would be one of those guys with my yellow marker pen and just every line was um and then you watch, you know, seminars and courses and hire a coach and the problem is, is that if you're not producing anything, then you're just becoming mentally obese. I call it mentally obese. So that you'll um see the thing is is that when a person becomes physically obese, um it's obvious. You look obese, you feel obese. There's all sorts of sicknesses and diseases. The doctor tells you you need to get on a diet, get on a treadmill. Um, But a person who's mentally obese, there's no external, like you can't see it from the outside. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. But inside,
1: it's exactly the same symptoms. Your head, your brain becomes bloated, it gets heavy, it feels tired because it's not converting the information into energy. And when you have all that overload of information bloating your mind and you feel all slow, it's because you're not converting it into action.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Action is where it's at. And I'll say it, it really your ego ends up it, it it's more nuanced because we don't really see it, but the ego is also getting inflated because you're not serving. It's like, you know, you're not putting it out there in the world and the action to serve others is just staying here. It's like I had Kathy Heller on the show one time and she said, People think. They have a business problem. They don't have a business problem. They have a courage problem, right? It takes a lot of courage to take those actions. And we could read all the Mm. self-help books and just keep consuming and we're still not serving.
1: Yeah.
0: It's about me, not about them. It's a
1: belief. I think it's a belief problem, really. It comes Mm. down to beliefs. Mm.
0: So I want to ask you because um, evidently (laughs) when you describe yourself as a serial entrepreneur, (laughs) we see it, right? Right. I want to ask you about that because not everybody has the entrepreneurial bug, although I think my husband likes to say Jews, we weren't weren't made to be employees. (laughs) And I like to believe that too. Um, So I do think entrepreneurship is a very Jewish thing for good reasons. Um, But was there anything in your upbringing or in your family background that you think turned you into entrepreneurship?
1: Um, no I, well it's interesting it's so interesting um, my father's for sure entrepreneurial
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, he and I have to say this with respect, but he also was kind of lazy in the sense that he didn 't like to work
2: mm-hmm. so
1: he would he set up a business uh he set up a go a kosher grocery stores mm-hmm. in london uh because he didn't want to work for other people and he would hire people and I told you. Know, you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We're not meant to um, work for others. <laughs> yeah. And then my grandfather. Okay. So this is going to be, this is, this is my grandfather's my biggest inspiration. Mm, um, tell us. You know, I've, I've had the privilege of interviewing some really great people, but they don't stand next to my grandfather. Mm. Um, My, my grandfather was in 18 concentration camps. Um, He was shot and buried alive and hung twice and escaped the gas chamber. So he's, he was like a walking angel. Mm -hmm. Um, and he risked his life actually in the camps for another, another Jew. He, uh, he gave away his, he had his emergency bread that he kept inside. Uh, he sewed it inside his pocket and he would always push off eating it because he was always starving, but he kept telling himself, you know, uh, uh, not today, not today. He, he kept it for you know when he really, really would would need it. And um, one day he was standing there, and there were a pile of bodies, and he noticed one of the hands moving. So he went over there, which was in itself, for, you know, risking his life to go over to that pile, and he pulled this man up, and the man looked up at him and said, "I, I can't. I, I don't have strength to stand." And he took out that piece piece of bread that he had and he gave it to him and at my grandfather's um, my grandfather's shiva my father was sitting shiva a a woman came over and and said my father sent me to thank you and my father said who are you and she said your grandfather saved him Hmm. so um, yeah, I'm getting a little bit emotional talking about it but um, he came out with nothing like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> when we think about, like, you know, our phones, you know, batteries low, or the Wi-Fi, you know, so we complain about little things. Like, my grandfather had, he, he watched his parents get shot in front of him and all of his siblings. He had no family. He didn't speak the language of the country that he escaped to. He He was only 18 when he came out, and he didn't have any skills or nothing. Um, and so he had to build himself up and, uh, he became a multi-millionaire, um, a- absolutely incredible. And he gave away all of it to, 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 stock and to charity. Um, he, he, he was incredible, incredible human being.
0: Wow. What kind of work did he end up doing? What businesses did he start?
1: So from what I understand, he started out with like, um, currency trading, and this is before the internet, uh, you know, he had like a, a phone and he would pick up the phone and he would call his broker and he would say, buy dollars for whatever it was or sell this. Like he just, he, he, he learned to understand how the currency of the world fluctuated. Um, obviously there were a lot of other jobs that he did before that, but he ended up doing that. And then he ended up, um, uh, building a hotel in lugano in switzerland it was the only kosher hotel in lugano wow and uh we used to go there once a year um and every time i went there (laughs) um he was in the kitchen chopping up vegetables and meat and preparing the food and that's where he wanted to be and um i once i was wondering like why would he start a hotel like why why do that and i realized it's because he wanted to serve people.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: enjoyed serving people. He enjoyed, he would stand there with a huge smile. He was a very short man, but he had this huge, massive smile always on his face. He loved serving people and having guests. And, and that's what he did until he was uh, in his old age. And then he sold it and um, retired in, in uh, Israel, moved to Israel. And he had millions of dollars in his bank cash and gave that away to, to charity
0: and when you said that he wanted to serve people i go back to this principle time and time again on the show it's the it's, it is the fundamental business A business is about serving others and the money follows proportionate to that the more you can be of service which really brings us to your passion for podcasting because i mean this is my perception correct me if i'm wrong what you've been building in terms of your both media companies is allowing other people to have a voice, to be of service, to be able to amplify their message so that they can serve more, bigger, better, right? So there is that, I don't know that you realize that, but I see there uh, just something that probably you inherited from your grandfather, like that passion for serving for allowing people to shine to
1: yeah i mean um you know what really drives me is my wife that's the truth Mm i um i uh i i love serving people and uh, that's really important in any business right because you got to put customer first um but I think what's really, really important is for a person to dig deep into what motivates them because yeah. money, I can guarantee you money is not enough of a motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially once you, you start making enough money to really pay the bills and you're, you're comfortable. So then you need more, you need something deeper to really drive you forward. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think when I, when I talk to, to Hashem, when I talk to God, I don't really ask for me. I ask for my wife. I say, my, I don't deserve anything. You know, I'm, uh, I i do not know. I don't think I deserve anything. Um, but my wife does. She's a very special woman. Um, she put up with me for 15 years, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, everything I do and that, and that really motivates me when I, when I, when I know that first of all, my wife, her belief in me, you know, as an entrepreneur, having someone that believes in you is so important. Yes. Because I grew up where I was bullied severely in, in high school. Really? Um, yeah, massive. I, I suffered from emotional abuse on a daily basis. Um, and I hid it inside. I was on the outside very much a class clown, extrovert. I looked like I was totally confident but I was silently suffering. And, uh, and to be honest, like until I got married, um, I, I had a very low self-esteem. I had to really build myself up mm. and having someone uh, like my wife who really believed in me um, helped me to be the person I am today. Um, you know, I think that's the most important of, a- of anything. Of, of all the, you can hear all the tactics and all the different advice and you can read all the books about how to run a successful business, but it really comes down to belief. I really do believe that if you, if you believe that you can be successful and if you believe that, that Hashem, that, that God, that the creator is the one that provides everything, then you're going to be successful. Nothing will stand in your way. Yes. And on the flip side, you can have all the skills and, and all the tactics and the knowledge. It, will, it, will, it won't do anything. Like if you don't really believe in yourself and you, you don't believe in what you're offering and you don't believe that there's a creator who provides everything for you, then, you know, it's, success is very limiting, you know?
0: Yeah. And I wonder if you had any of these conversations with your grandfather.
1: I didn't, unfortunately. I wish I did. Um, he didn't speak English. So that was a bit of a problem. My, my Hebrew wasn't so good.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but just, just seeing him, just watching him was, was enough. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that belief runs in, in, in the blood, in your, in your blood and, and your actions. You know, for me now, my main goal is to be an inspiration to my children and mm-hmm. hopefully my grandchildren, um, by showing, not by telling them, you know, but by showing them um that that I have belief. And I, I try to instill belief in them because that's the greatest gift you can give your children
2: mm-hmm.
1: is self-belief. More than anything else. You know, you can give your kids money, they'll just spend it and waste it very quickly. You can you could teach yourself your, 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 your kids skills, which are great, but you know, skills could change and and look at the world. I mean we're evolving so fast. Technology um, who knows what's gonna be, you know, <laughs> at, what jobs
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Look at who us. Knows, Nobody but, trained us on this job.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> it didn't exist I exist when we went to school. I still don't know what I'm doing, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but, but if you give them the gift of belief, yeah. then then you've given them the greatest gift you can give them.
0: Yeah. And it's those two things as you very well pointed out. It's belief in yourself, in your inherent good and ability, and belief yeah. that there's a God that has your back that will allow you to succeed. Yeah. It, it's so powerful. Yeah. That is everything. You just mentioned, um, the example of, you know, you could give your kids money and then whatever, but that's, that's not enough, you know, those resources. I wonder if, you know, so much of our, so much of what we believe about money, which ultimately is shown in the way we behave with money, we learn from Mm -hmm. childhood, right? (laughs) I wonder if there are any, um, poignant money memories that you remember lessons that you remember that you've learned from home that have either served you or that you've had to just erased or redo?
1: (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, I have a very bad relationship. I had a very, very, very bad um, traumatic experiences with money when I was younger.
0: Really? Um, Tell us.
1: (laughs) Um. And again, I have to be careful what I say because I'm speaking about my father. So with respect, I love him and I look up to him and he's mm-hmm. very special. Um, and it's not his fault because he grew up with a very unstable um, situation. His mother passed away when he was 13 years old. She drowned. Aye. And um, his father was a Holocaust survivor who, I mean, you don't really need to say much more than that. Right. So he he kind of grew up without without emotionally healthy parents and without a mother, mm-hmm. and nobody taught him how to handle money or or situations or, or life, life in general. So I remember my grand my my father um, would shake with worry when it came to money. I... Um, I I actually remember us very vividly, and I don't have a lot of memories. Like, I don't have clear memories of my childhood, um, but some of them are very clear. And this one, I remember we were in Spain. We were on holiday vacation. And um, the irony is, is that we stayed in a nice villa. It was a very beautiful place. And vacation is supposed to be like, you know, fun and family time and, you know, quality time. And I remember very clearly that we were sitting at a restaurant and my father looked down at the menu and he just, his hands started to shake, and he started to talk about how expensive the the food was, and why is it so expensive? And I remember just, I was a young kid, so I just sat there and I watched as my mother tried to like calm him down. Like, no, we can go somewhere else. It's okay. We don't have to be here. No, no, no. We're here now. No, it's fine. Just, I just don't understand why it's so expensive, and I don't even know where the money's gone, and my shops. I don't know what's happening. And then. All of a sudden, I just watched him have, like, this, like, money breakdown, meltdown. Mm. And um, as a kid, I remember feeling so angry and frustrated because I don't care if we eat sandwiches. Like, I just want my father to be happy. Happy. You know, and I just want my parents to be happy. And I just want us to be happy. And, like, I don't care about this. And this happens so many times. Like, my my mom would go shopping and she would buy something really nice like a nice dress or my and my father would just you could just see it's just going to blow up something's going to happen I would be like so nervous about it and it was this constant constant you know theme with money and anger and frustration and and just anxiety and I just my father would smoke a lot like Mm -hmm. chimney you know so for many years, it took me a long time to get a healthy relationship with money.
0: Wow. You know,
1: it was very difficult. But Which
0: is so interesting because as an entrepreneur, I always, you know, he wrote the book, The Self-Help Addict. I always say entrepreneurship is self-help on steroids. Like you're going to face your demons, especially when it comes to money, mindset blocks and all that yeah. garbage, right? Yeah. So, what, so what were the, some of the stuff that came up as you were trying to build your businesses?
1: Um, fear of loss, fear of getting, hmm. you know, there's, there's, there's both of it. There's the fear of not having money. And then there's the fear of having lots of money, right? which is, which is crazy. There's the thought that I don't deserve it. Right. I remember very clearly I was in LA, we were living in California. I remember um, being in a very nice restaurant and then someone from the street came in and was collecting the cans, you know, from the trash, like the Mm -hmm. leftover cans. So that he could recycle it and make some money. And I just remember feeling very uneasy. And why does he, why do I sit here like a King eating a nice steak? And then there's this, this guy coming in and can barely afford a steak, you know, like, and so I, I, that was very hard for me. And, um, you know, being waited on like a waitress or a waiter, like serving me, like, why do I get served? You know? Mm. So that was those money, my, that was, that was that money mindset. There's the fear of losing all my money, which, which happened to me. I went broke three times. Uh, and when I say broke, I mean like I couldn't pay rent. I couldn't pay for Pesach food. You're pretty I actually, young
0: for three times, Daniel.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's, well, yeah. Like, but those were very humbling moments for me. Yeah. Um, and I learned a lot of lessons from them. And I don't regret it happening. I'm actually very thankful because they were very pivotal moments in my life in different ways. Um, I restructured my first business. That allowed me to move to Israel. If I didn't have that situation happen, I wouldn't have been able to move to Israel. Um, you know, other examples, you know, I wasn't part of a community and I remember asking a rabbi for money for to afford to pay for food for Pesach and he basically shut me down in a very harsh way, but I needed it. He said to me, what community do you belong to? I said, I don't belong to a community. He said, what, what shul do you dove in it? I said, I, I kind of go to different shuls, you know, he's like, so you didn't invest in a community, so why should anyone help you? Wow. And I I'm, I remember he hung up the phone and I was sitting in my car and I burst out crying and I made a promise. And I'm, I remember I said, I said, Hashem, God, I believe I'm going to come out of this. You're going to help me out of this. And when I get out of this, I'm going to help a community. And I can tell you that a few years later,
2: on air of Pesach, someone reached out to me and they said, They said there's a family that can't afford Pesach. They can't afford food. And I said, And I said, I'll pay for it. And I supported that family. <clears throat> excuse me, I said, oh, and I supported that family. And I said, I'm, g- I'm giving back. <sighs> you know, someone might be
1: listening to this and they might be going through hard times. But the hard times is what builds us. Yes. They make us stronger. And I made that commitment because I fell on that hard time and I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to not be able to pay. And I think that's really important because it really humbles us. And when a person's humble, then they're more ready to receive.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And not only do we grow, but in our relationships also for those of us who are married, right. And who've gone through this with our spouses. I mean, I know on a personal level, it's just made our relationships so much stronger, But obviously, we have to be willing to do the work. (laughs) It would take a lot of humility.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, wow, it's crazy. I mean,
0: uh. it's so important what you just shared because you know it's interesting. It comes from you who like you've talked to all these people who built this success and all that. And I, I probably am. I'm guessing that when you heard some of those stories there were similar anecdotes of it wasn't all unicorns along the way
1: oh god most of my guests i mean i had a guy who his father when he was 8 years old would throw him into dumpsters to to get food for dinner he was a oh, russian immigrant he would be bringing home scraps from the restaurants um today he's uh, he's uh he owns a chain of gyms, and he's a multi-multi millionaire. Um, and you know, obviously, gives back. Um, I had another guest on my show who his parents were drug addicts and alcoholics. Um, his father held a gun to his sister's head, um, and he had to put his finger in the trigger to stop his father from shooting his sister. And he was working. He was the only child in that family that. Didn't abuse drugs and he went to work in a restaurant sweeping floors and cleaning tables. And the owner of those rest, the owners of the restaurant were an old couple who really took a liking to him. Mm -hmm. And when they retired, they told him that they wanted to sell him the restaurant. And he said, I can't pay for, I can't buy this. I don't have enough money. And they said, no, we want to give it to you and you could just pay us back like over time. He ended up owning, I think, about 40 different restaurants. He has a whole chain of restaurants. Um, today, hugely successful. So there's a lot of stories like that. And um, it's important to, you know, to look at the backstory because we look at people on Facebook and Instagram and we see the successes and we see, wow, look at, you know, this guy and look at that, you know, woman and look how they've, you know, made such a success out of themselves. But, I guarantee you, if you if you look far enough back, they struggled. You know, they started somewhere. Yeah, um, it's it's really important to to look at the backstory.
0: A hundred percent. And there's also an an important point here about the responsibility, the individual responsibility that we have to do the work. Like, there's no excuses. The external circumstances, as you said <laughs> with your grandfather, as you know yourself, these individuals. Even your father, with all the trauma he experienced being a child of Holocaust survivors, and you spoke it beautifully because the truth is that generation, we have no word, we can't judge that generation right. that, that came from. But anyway, um, there's, there's that sense and we have to internalize this idea that, we, the external circumstances are never an excuse. If anything, we have to know that they're an opportunity and we get so caught up in complaining. Like you said before, we, we have such comfort, right? And yet we're complaining about inflation and this and that. Like people get over yourselves. What do I need to do to make a better life? Why is this challenge coming my way? Right? What are, mm-hmm. where's my mental hang up that I'm not getting more clients or that I'm not negotiating with my boss or that I'm not writing that best seller that I wanted to write? Like what is going on? And yet, we're still focusing on the cost of this and the that. Like, right? <laughs> it's yeah, so much yeah. easier because it's very easy to do to point outwards. It's very hard to work on the inner, do the real work, the inner yeah. work.
1: You know what I think? One of the biggest problems that I struggled with, and once I shifted this, it shifted a lot. Everything shifted for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Was um, the difference between chasing and attracting? Let's hear it. Well. So desperation stinks and you could smell it a mile away. Yes. This is whether you're dating or whether you're trying to get money or you're trying to sell something to someone. You smell it, right? Mm -hmm. A girl and a guy for guys. And and I had this, I'll share this story really quickly. But when I first met my wife, I fell in love with her straight away. Um, Although love is not the right term, you know, infatuation is, is more appropriate. But I I wanted to marry her like you know straight away, and of course she she, she um she sensed that desperation. She kind of turned her off, you know. Um, but I guess I charmed her enough to be able to continue dating me. And we were dating in in Israel, and she needed to go back to California. And I'm a London boy, like mm-hmm. I don't know anything about America. <laughs> um, I got on a plane and. <laughs> And went to America without knowing where I'm going to stay. <laughs> and I literally crashed at like four different families, you know, because I outstay my welcome and then I get kicked out and then I'd stay by another family. Um, I was just determined that I'm going to marry this girl. Wow. And, um, I remember we were, we were going out on, and, um, I turned around to her and I said, you know, Lauren, what's holding you back? Hmm. And she said, I don't even know what it is, but, I just feel like you're too good. And I said, are you crazy? What does that even mean? Like, what do you mean? I'm too good. What do you want me to like be bad? Like, I don't know. I don't, what does that mean? She's like, I don't know. I just feel like you're just, you're just too good. So I'm like, so confused. It's like typical guy problem. Like what the heck is she talking about? Right. For all you guys out there. And by the way, 15 years later, I still don't know what she's saying. I'm kidding. I mean, to a degree. Um, I went, I went back to, I remember sleeping in my bed that night, tossing and turning, trying to figure this out. Like, what does she mean? Like, I'm a pretty good sales guy and I'm trying to understand like, what, what does she want? Like, it's too good. Like, what? And then it clicked and I realized what she means by too good is it's when something is too available, right? When you could just have it when it's too good. So like, uh, I don't know. I don't need it. And the desperation. Is putting her off. Mm. It's the over. I, I'm. It's you know. It's wanting it too badly, and so I played this little this little game, uh, which I was very nervous about. But I remember, um, Montse Shabbos Saturday night, she called me up. I actually didn't. I didn't call her. I made. I I waited till she called me, and um, she's like, Hey, how are you doing? I'm like, uh, oh, I'm okay. How are you? And she's like, Oh, I'm good. You know. Da, da, da. And I'm like, Listen, Lauren. Um, my heart was like beating out of my chest at this point. I'm like, I don't think we should continue dating. Are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, I I just, I don't think it's going to work out. Like, I feel like I should just go back to Israel and I'll just date other girls and you date other boys. She's like, what do you mean? I thought like, why? I was like, "I, I, I just feel like we're wasting each other's time. She's like, no way. Come on. I was like, yeah. And then I said, and then she said, no, let's just go out one more time. And I said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll go out one more time, but um, on one condition. She's like, sure, what is it? I said, we have to play a game called Spin the Bottle. She's like, what? But we're showing a gear, like we can't touch. <laughs> so I'm like, no, it's, it's a different, I put a twist to the game. Basically, we're going to write down questions and we're going to put it in a hat and then we're going to spin the bottle and whoever the bottle points to, they have to answer the question. She's like, oh, cool, that sounds like such a great game. So we went to the beach and we sat down, we had a little picnic and we both wrote down and I told her, we have to write down like the deepest questions we have for the person that we want to spend the rest of our lives with. Like what would be the most important questions you'd want to ask?
2: Mm-hmm. And we
1: wrote them down and we play this game. And, um, and by the end of the game, she looks up and she said, I'm ready.
2: Wow.
1: So what I realized is, Along the way, whether it was getting married to my wife or whether it was in business or sales or anything like that, um, desperation always, you know, it, 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 you chase after money, money runs away. You chase mm-hmm. after, you know, uh, a person you want to get married to, they run away. You chase after money, it runs away from you. So um, I, I told my kids this as well. I said, you know, if you're sitting on a bus and, and someone sits next to you and they smell of BO, right, body odor. Um, you don't want to sit next to them, right? It reeks. So, and I try to teach them the idea of desperation and how when you crave attention, that's what happens. Like people don't really want to be around you because you, you just, it's, it's bad energy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it doesn't matter if the guy or the girl with BO goes and sprays, you know, deodorant. It's just smells even worse because now it's just cheap deodorant with BO. It's like, oh. <laughs> Right. You could put more layers of clothing on, but you still stink, but you Mm -hmm. can't cover it up. And so you have to replace desperation with attraction.
2: Yeah.
1: And when you become confident in yourself, like really, truly confident and the confidence comes from a deep sense of belief Mm -hmm. that I'm going to be okay, that I'm, I'm okay. I don't need anything and that Hashem, that God has everything for me and I don't need anything. And when you walk into a room or when you get on a sales call, when you run your business, when you walk into an interview with that belief, wow, you're the most attractive person there. Yep.
0: Yep. A hundred percent. You're invincible. Invincible. <laughs> really.
1: Yeah. And that's why, by the way, going back to the podcast thing, when I got on podcasts, I realized that I was attracting people to me. And that's how my whole business started. That's how I was able to get clients without having to chase clients because mm-hmm. I was just sharing my story. I wasn't selling. I wasn't pushing anything. I was just sharing my story and by sharing my story and my journey with people, they they just instinctively said, "I want what he has."
2: Yeah.
1: Right? You ever listen to someone or, you know, on a podcast or, or on a YouTube video, or read a book, and you go, "I want what they have," right? Mm-hmm. You're going to want to hire them, not because they sold you, but because
2: it's
1: the they shared energy. It's an energy, and you can sense it.
0: 100%. Um, you
1: know, I've hired people who, the reason I hired them was because I didn't sense that urgency. right? Whenever I get on a call that someone's trying to sell me and there's an urgency, there's a sense of desperation, I just want to get off the phone call. I don't want to work with them because you're clearly not successful.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: you need me that badly, if you need me to give you money that badly, then something's wrong. You, you ever have someone who wants to sell you something and they're like, okay, okay, okay. Half the price, half the price. Okay. I'll give it to you a fraction of the price. Just take it now. Whoa, something's wrong with this thing. Like it's, there's something wrong with it. Like if you're selling me a car at half price and you're desperately trying to get rid of it, I'm worried. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 So (laughs) this actually brought me to this idea. You know, you called the, the, the podcast, can I pick your brain? I want your, your opinion on this because evidently, you know, there's some best practices when it comes to approaching someone for advice, right? And we all love yeah. to serve. But i it's been said that can I pick your brain is probably not the best approach, not really? often not the best approach. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I agree. The reason why I called it can I pick your brain was for the people that want to pick other people's brains, not for the people that are getting their brains picked, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but it worked for, for my audience. But yeah, I mean... The best way to get, if you want something from someone is to really see what they need first mm-hmm. and try to give it to them. And that's how you're going to get them to, to really want to help you.
2: Exactly. Um,
1: and also, I just feel like putting yourself out there, um, whether it's getting on podcasts or writing a book or, or putting out videos or whatever it is, but by putting yourself out there, naturally people are going to want to work with you and they're going to want to learn from you um i feel like sometimes we try to like we try too hard to find a guru that we could follow and like teach me give me the secret like you know they don't have the answers you do like sit with yourself go to the forest and sit with yourself like find a quiet space like i have a quiet space near my house where uh, there's a little bit of water like a little waterfall thing you know and nature and I sit there and I take a notepad and at first I just sit quietly and wait and just to hear what thoughts come and
0: try and to... download.
1: Yeah. You have everything. You really do. Every single person has the answers deep down inside. And you have to learn to trust that quiet voice inside instead of. Trying to find it outside. It's not outside. It's inside and you just have to drown everything out. The problem is, is that everything's so noisy these days. We're, we're, we're so busy on our phones and we're scrolling through social media and we're listening to this and listening to that and watching that. And we're just not allowing ourselves to trust Mm -hmm. the greatest friend we have, which is that, that person called you. Like Mm -hmm. you are, you are the best friend that you can have. You're the best motivator. You're the best coach. You're the best mentor. And yes, I'm not saying you shouldn't you know, hire a mentor. You can, but it should be so that they get you out of your own way. That's really the biggest goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We go back to the action piece, right?
1: Right. At the
0: end of the day, you got to take the action. (laughs) Right. So tell us about PodBooker and tell us about Geffen Media Group, because these are very exciting uh, companies both serving a similar niche, similar n- needs, but on on different w- different ways. So tell the audience what you're doing there.
1: Okay, so Geffen Media Group was essentially um, is I should say uh, an agency that I created. Um, it came because when I had my show, when it was like a, a top rated show, um, I started getting bombarded with emails
2: mm-hmm. from
1: PR agencies marketing agencies you know trying to get their clients on my podcast as guests right and the problem was is that they really were terrible at pitching
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um i just had hundreds of these emails in my inbox all basically saying i want to be a guest on your show i want to be a guest show Like, have my guest. like you know they all sounded the same they all sounded desperate um they didn't they didn't know how to build a relationship so they clearly didn't do their homework and they didn't like spend time trying to get to know me. They just was like, "Bah," you know, um, and they didn't know how to position themselves or their guests or, or their clients um, in a way that made them sound interesting for me to have them on. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get on the biggest podcasts, um, they are extremely selective on who they have on their show. And so you're competing with hundreds and hundreds of people every day, trying to get booked on a podcast that only has, you know, maybe one or two slots a week. So how do you do that? Right now you can get on small shows very easily, but the problem is, is that most of them are, you know, not big enough and, you know, it takes a long time to start building yourself up to get on the bigger shows. So, um, one thing I realized, and this was, you know, about five years ago now, um, there's nobody doing a good job of getting people on the big podcasts, like who's representing them. Like these, these PR agencies don't know what they're doing. Right. And so I realized like, I have my own podcast. It's top rated show. I had interviewed, you know, over 200 people um, Been a guest on over a hundred shows um, have relationships with all these big podcast hosts. So I know how to position people in the right way, and I know what the top-rated host wants in a guest, and I have those relationships, so I have backdoor access, and that's how Geffen Media Group was born. And since then, we've worked with many, many different clients, I would say hundreds uh, by now, um, and we've got them booked on the biggest podcasts. Mm. Um, we pretty much guarantee placement on um, 12 of the top 250 ranked shows within a six-month period. Wow. Um, we've built a very good reputation, um, to the point where the biggest book publisher in the world, Harper Collins called us up a couple of months ago and said, we want to partner with you. I was like, what <laughs> you want to partner with us? And by the way, this is exactly what I mean by attraction. I did not call them. They called me. So when you're able to really put yourself out there in a non-desperate way, yep. then you get people like the biggest book publisher in the world calling you up saying we want to partner with you because we want our authors to be on the biggest podcast. And, you know, so that was a huge win. Um, we also worked with Stephen Covey's company. So Stephen Covey is uh, author of uh, the seven habits of highly affected people. And um, we worked with them. We've worked with some really big authors and we've worked with authors that nobody's ever heard of. Um, but, you know, we've got them on the biggest podcast because we have a very, um, clear strategy and how we do it um, and I've built the relationships over time um, and it's really all about um, you know how to position yourself in a way that makes you extremely attractive to the hosts
2: yeah um,
1: so that's that's Geffen Media Group and then the reason I launched podbooker.com was because I noticed that there were a lot of people that couldn't afford to hire an agency like mine to do it for them because we have a fully done for you service um and I wanted to help a lot more people, so I created the platform PodBooker to essentially help people who who had a low budget and wanted to do it themselves. Um, I also recently created a course. Oh, because I, yeah, because what I found was that people went on the platform and um they just didn't know how to how do I pitch like how do I you know, how do I pitch a host to get accepted on the show, right? Um, how do I find the right podcasts? Like, there's so many, there's over 3 million now. How do I find the right podcast? Um, even once I get accepted, like, how do I convert the listeners into clients? You know, how do I get them into buyers? Um, how do I leverage the podcast appearances to get the most out of that? Um, you know, how do I create a bio speaker sheet?
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so there were all these questions. And so I thought to myself, do you know what? Um, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to document everything. Yeah. So what my clients pay me thousands of dollars for, um, I created a, an online training course where I walk you through step-by-step everything that we do, um, for our clients and that you can pretty much do yourself. Um, and, uh, we, I literally just put it out. It's right now it's only $197. I think, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely going to be, it's going to go up to, a, a, um, around $497. That's probably going to be where we're going to, but right now, because it's like early, early access. So I'm going to, um, I'm offering it at $197. And, um, actually what I want to do, if you don't mind y'all is, uh, I can offer a promotional code for,
0: <laughs> I love uh, that.
1: Yeah. Yes. For your listeners. Right. Yes. So um, I'm happy to offer like a 20% discount off of the course. Um, so mm-hmm. if they type in, um, so if they go to pod, uh, wait, what's the URL? So it's uh, podguestingpro.com. Mm-hmm. So that's pod, P-O-D, guestingpro, P-R-O, dot com. And um, if they sign up and at the sign up page, there'll be a coupon code they could put in the word um, Jewish.
0: Great right? word.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Easy to remember. So if they put in the word Jewish in the coupon code, they'll get 20% discount as well um, as a thank you for having me on the show.
0: That's amazing. And I I love that you created that because it's so needed. I mean, all these three things are so needed. I can tell you on the receiving end, I get so many like everything you said, I can relate to. I get so many pitches and they're not crafted properly. And or like right away, I can spot a mile away that you don't know anything about my show. You don't know anything about the people I'm trying to serve. And that's a big pet peeve, right? Because I'm doing this for an audience and I know what they want. And I'm very good at crafting an editorial angle. If the email doesn't have an editorial angle that fits with my v- the voice of this show and the audience and what they need, like please don't
1: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> at least take time to do that, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And it takes practice. Look, I mean it I takes think,
0: practice.
1: Uh, yeah. Like you know, anything, getting on getting on a few small shows, I, I think is a very good idea, just to practice your uh, speaking skills, yeah. your message, and you know, and just getting out there. I think the biggest problem is people not taking action and saying, mm. "Oh, you know, I'm not ready for this, and I'm too scared, and what am I going to talk about?" You know, when I started my podcast, the first I would say 50 episodes, I wanted to throw up
2: mm. before
1: I hit record every time. Um. And, I remember those days. Yeah, it was it was scary. And I hated the sound of my voice. Like mm-hmm. I sounded like some, I don't know, weird sounding alien. <laughs> like yep. who is that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you get used to it. Now I don't notice it at all. I hear my voice and it's just, it's me. There's me, you know? Um, you have to just get over those those fears. And the best way to get over fears is to do it anyway. Do it, it's just, right. to, just do it anyway. Like literally just... I really highly recommend, whether you take my course or or not, just start getting yourself out there. Like, start getting booked on podcasts. Like, it's ridiculous that it's free. Like, you know, Yael here, very generously, is having me on her show. And I'm speaking to, you know, her audience, you guys, right? And how long have you been doing this show for?
0: Five years and a few weeks.
1: Can you imagine someone put in five years of work. I can't even imagine how many hours Yal's put into this Mm -hmm. producing, editing, promoting, the whole thing. And now Daniel Geffen comes along and in less like in literally an hour, I get access to her entire audience that she's built over the last five years. And I don't pay her any money. There's no there's no cost. Like what there's no marketing that you could do, no matter how much money you put out, that's better then getting on a podcast where I don't know if you're still listening to this, whoever's listening, but (laughs) if you are, I just had your attention for one hour. Tell me what platform on this planet where you can get someone's attention for an hour. Because I could tell you this much on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you're getting someone's attention for maybe three or four seconds. Mm -hmm. Not, Not 30 minutes, not 60 minutes, not even 20 minutes, not even close. Podcasting is... By far, by far by far the most attention that you're going to get today
0: it's 100% 100% you know it's so interesting because i just had this conversation with a sponsor they want to pay me for doing posts on instagram and i'm thinking are you insane i right. have people who come to me week after week for 4 5 years they trust me they know my voice they come to me for advice you're not going to go on my show like that's just such a huge ROI. Why would you limit yourself to a stupid algorithm on Instagram where not even 1% of my subscribers, which doesn't amount to the amount of people who listen to the show, are going to see this ad? Like people, you have to understand the power of a podcast. <laughs> That's my plug. Start a show or get on other people's shows, but please, this is like the real deal.
1: Yeah, I would even say, get on people's shows before you start a show. 100%,
0: 100%. It's
1: going to take you a long time to build an audience.
0: 100%.
1: There's so many podcasts out there. If you are leveraging other people's audiences, you don't have to do the work.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Y'all's doing all the heavy lifting right here. I'm just sharing my. Start a my show story. only
0: if you have a strategy. Why you're starting a show and you love it like I do dearly, and you know why you're doing it. But really, the if if it's to benefit your business and your whatever you have brewing and growing, please get on other people's shows. But make sure it's, when you pitch, you do it the right way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: You know what, Daniel, let's, uh, I want to ask you before we wrap it up, um, because we talked about your challenges and, and all that good stuff, but are there any habits that you practice regularly that you feel impact your financial life?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely think going out into like, whether it's nature or just getting away getting away mm-hmm. from the office, getting out of your regular environment and just taking a break and really allowing yourself to slow down because everybody's running today. I don't yeah. know where we're running to, but slow down. And the best ideas we have is in the shower or when we're in bed or whatever, or when we're going for a drive or walking. Why? Yeah. Because that's not when you're obsessively busy with something or thinking about something it's when we let go that we start to receive our greatest ideas Mm. and they can be worth a lot more than anything you're going to find in a social you know feed or 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 trying to figure it out by bashing your head against the wall and you know it's just that's that's i think one of the one of the best advice i can give is is create a habit of of setting time to really be quiet and alone somewhere where you can really allow your best ideas to come to you
0: yeah no i totally agree with that so 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 true i actually before we wrap it up i said we're going to do that but um you're a person who your audience your work your scope of what you're built you know allows you to touch the world at large you know um so i wonder if they if in what ways do you think your jewish observance has informed your work and what's been the impact of that in your work
1: um well i have a rabbi um and you know i just um i just made a big investment in a, a you know in, a, in an agency that uh well, i'm doing a partnership with uh and i didn't do the deal until i spoke to my rabbi
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: simple like until i had his blessing to go ahead and until i you know spoke it out with him um i did i didn't do it and um having a spiritual guide whether it's a rabbi or spiritual mentor to be able to guide you along the way is is really important um because we do have blind spots and sometimes we get excited and we jump into things that maybe it wasn't the right decision um I also talk things out with my wife, even though she's not really a businesswoman. she doesn't really understand money at all. Um, she likes to spend money, um, which is great, but, uh, and she's amazing. She, she takes care of our, our kids and, um, does pretty much everything else. Um, but I do bounce ideas off of her, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's, um, the wisdom of the woman. And so that's, that's the other thing I do. Um, um, and then, of course, I went through a an incredible safer, an incredible book called Sharabitachon. And um, oh, my goodness. Me. You mean this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that. Yeah. Sharabitachon.
0: I actually uh, teach it tonight. I teach it every Tuesday night.
1: It's incredible. I've That's, been
0: obsessed with this book for the last 10 years. And now that we have this fabulous copy, it makes it even easier to digest. Unbelievable!
1: I, um, I'm going through it now the second time and um it's life-changing
0: it is like it is
1: simple as that um it really is yeah yep. yep. i'm thinking writing a book on bitachon that's how transformational it's been for me
0: yeah yeah it is it is and actually i'm working with my husband on a project um on that because it it is i always say to my students and to my listeners bitachon trust in god absolute trust in god is the foundation of your entire financial system i could teach yeah. you all the mechanics i could do- it boils down to trust. Anyway, let's wrap it up with what I call Jewish Money Matters. Fill in the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I'll give you an open-ended statement and you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, ready?
1: Cool, I like these games.
0: Okay, <laughs> when I give Meister or Tzedakah, I like to give to
1: I, I give it, so I actually give it to my rabbi and let him do what he needs to do with it because uh, it's just easier that way. He knows mm-hmm. who needs it in the community. So that's what I do.
0: Beautiful. I'd love to make more money because
1: um, my wife has big dreams, and Ooh. I want to fulfill them.
0: Nice. You sound like my husband. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't need anything for myself. It's all for you. Yeah. Something I wish yeah. I'd learn about money growing up is,
1: um, it's energy. It you know it comes and goes. Don't get too attached to it, and. Don't let it become your master because you are its master. And Mm -hmm. when you when you switch that role, uh, everything will change, right? You know, when you're riding a horse and you let the horse run around wild, then you just end up being thrown all over the place. It's the same thing with money. When you let money control you, you are throwing yourself all over the place. But when you get control of that horse, of that donkey that you're riding, and you know how to ride it because you are the master of it, you are the master of money and it wants to serve you. So let it.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Money, spiritual or physical? I think I know what you're going to say.
1: Yeah, it's definitely spiritual.
0: Something I splurge on unapologetically is?
1: <laughs> I like Chinese food. Uh, I have a week. <laughs> I really do. I really love, uh, I love good Chinese. Um, and then um what do I splurge on what else do I splurge on uh huh I think my wife does the splurging Mm -hmm. I don't really do so much splurging I kind of just you know my wife says oh can we buy this I'm like uh you know I'm working on my money mindset so you know (laughs) yeah yeah we could do that she always reminds me it's like come on Danielle you know like it's infinite it's infinite I'm like my bank account is not infinite, though. That's the problem. Like, get get that in your head. Like, yeah, I get it. It's infinite. Yeah, infinite. But but my bank isn't infinite. Oh, my gosh. She's <laughs> so funny.
0: My husband says, I want to come as a guest expert to your program because I need to teach the wives to understand that we have ups and downs in businesses. And yes. I need you ladies to be in tune. Yeah, I'll repeat after me. You've got to be in tune with yeah. the cash flow of the business. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, today i'm most grateful for
1: Ah, oh, oh, what am i most grateful for um my family my fam- family is always first family comes first because at the end of the day that that's that's who you're left with
2: yeah. you
1: know you're left with your family so i'm, I'm very grateful for that
0: 100 percent. finally i'm daniel geffen and i believe jewish money matters because
1: because you matter
0: mm beautiful Danielle. this has been so fun such a pleasure we cried we laughed I mean this was amazing <laughs> tell everybody where we can find you well first of all let's repeat again podcastingpro.com that's where we can sign up for your course and yep. everybody if you type the code Jewish you'll get 20% of that so go check that out where else can people find you
1: so if they want to hire my my agency it's geffenmediagroup.com that's geffen with one f mediagroup.com there's also podbooker.com if they want to sign up for the platform. Daniel Geffen, if you just want to find interviews that I've done, you can just type my name into Google and you'll or into a podcast, whatever podcast platform you're listening to right now, you can type my name in and you'll find other things I've done.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Daniel, for this interview. It really was a pleasure. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much, Yao, for, for hosting me. I love it. Thank you.
0: Thanks to Daniel Geffen for stopping by. You can find his book, The Self-Help Addict, on Amazon. His podcast, Can I Pick Your Brain, on your favorite podcast app. And if you're looking to be featured on podcasts or you're a podcaster, you might want to check his work at geffenmediagroup.com podbooker.com or you can enroll in his latest program podcasting pro where you'll learn how to attract your ideal clients by getting yourself booked on podcasts check it out at podcastingpro.com and you can get 20% off the price by using the code jewish at checkout thanks so much for being here how did you like this interview powerful stuff right Speaking of podcasting, I almost forgot to announce that I'm running an audience survey right now. Yes, my podcast audience. This one's for you. I want to get to know you. It's been a while since I surveyed you and we've had so much change here in a very good way and so much growth. And well, at this point, you know me pretty well, I think. But really, it's very important that I get to know you. That is the way that I can continue to serve you better. So it is important for me to do this at least once a year. And we haven't done this in over a year. So if you could please take one minute to fill out my podcast audience survey at yeltrush.com forward slash survey, it would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. I'll be raffling a gift to those who fill it out. More details inside the survey that is at ealtrush.com forward slash survey. I so so appreciate it. Thanks again for being here. And I'll see you here Friday, where I'll be answering your questions. Have a great day.